Hey everybody, Nick Espinoza, your Chief Security Fanatic here, and it is Sunday, so we are doing Breaches of the Week. And as always, before we begin, I'd like to thank the following people that sent me a lot of this information, and that would be Barrett Peterson, Chris Fallon, and Jay Dance. Short week this week, obviously I've been traveling, but there's not shortage of breaches, and so let's dive right in, starting with Focus IT, or Focus It, as I'm assuming what their marketing is. Now, Focus IT faces a proposed class action over their alleged failure to prevent a two-month data breach in 2022 that compromised the personal information of 147,799 current and former customers, applicants, and account holders of banks and financial institutions that its services not good. A 34-page lawsuit claims that unauthorized actors, actors gained unfettered access to the consumer's personal information stored on Focus IT's network from June 1st through August 3rd of last year because a financial software company who offers mortgage and loan processing software, among other services, failed to maintain adequate cybersecurity measures. The sensitive data... Exposed by the cyber attack includes the consumer's names, dates of birth, addresses, and social security numbers, according to the case. So, there you go. If your bank or mortgage lending company uses Focus IT, maybe you get a letter sooner than later. We'll see what happens, but you also may be entitled to compensation, because that's from the class action. Moving on, let's talk about Mount Lilydale Mercy College in Australia. Now, hundreds of parents of students at this Catholic high school in northeast Melbourne have had their credit card information stolen over the school's holidays. Now, in a letter sent out on January 30th, parents of Mount Lilydale Mercy were made aware of the breach, which impacted 400 of them. So heads up to you on that very specific breach in Northeast Melbourne. Moving on. I want to give you a quick update on U.S. Cellular. That's one of the major cellular carriers here in the United States because their spokesperson, Katie Frey, has confirmed that stolen customer data, which I talked about a while ago, was posted basically on a reputable, for lack of a better term, hacker forum called Breached, and that is one of the top five leak sites. And basically, this is from that recent breach that I had talked about. Now, the attacker, uh, known as Intel Broker, posted the data as a free download link claiming the breach was from January 2020 claiming that 144,000 customers of U.S. Cellular were involved. I do believe, as do most experts, that this data is much older. So heads up to you, U.S. Cellular customer. The hits keep coming. Moving on. Let's head on over to the United Kingdom and talk about car dealer Arnold Clark because they notified uh, customers this past Tuesday that their data was compromised in a data breach that took place in December of last year. Now, they first disclosed uh, basically this on January 3rd on Twitter, and that breach led to the company bringing its systems offline, including its dealerships and third-party connections as well. Now, according to an email, affected uh, basically the affected data is names, contact details, dates of birth, vehicle details, and ID documents such as passports, driver's licenses, etc. Some national insurance numbers and bank account details were also affected. So if you've purchased a car or were thinking about purchasing a car from Arnold Clark across the UK, heads up to you. Moving on. I'm going to give you another update on uh, basically a data breach from Chegg. That's right. This is the education platform because the U.S. Federal Trade Commissioner, FTC, has ordered the California educational technology provider to improve its security practices. This past Friday, FTC's commissioners voted unanimously in favor of finalizing an order that directs Chegg to take various steps to better secure its data. These steps include limiting the data the company collects and stores, introducing multi-factor authentication options, and allowing choosers to use 
users to access uh, their data and delete it if they choose, a la GDPR. Now, Chegg has been given 90 days to develop a comprehensive information security plan. Director of the FTC's Bureau of Consumer Protection, Samuel Levine, stated, and I quote, Chegg took shortcuts with millions of students' sensitive information. Today's order requires the company to strengthen security safeguards, offer consumers an easy way to delete their data, and limit information collection on the front end. Hopefully, Chegg will clean up their game and keep on rolling here, but heads up to you if you are a student that has used Chegg or even an educator. Moving on. Let's talk about Vice Media. You may know them as Vice News. I've enjoyed their documentaries over the years, especially when they went to North Korea, which was kind of unexpected. Now, a data breach involving Vice Media leaked the sensitive information and financial data of more than 1,700 people, according to filings with Maine's Attorney General. Now, in two separate filings on January 26th and the 31st, Vice Media said that it was alerted in March of last year that there was a cyber attack on its infrastructure. The media company hired a cybersecurity firm to investigate, uh, basically and they also discovered by virtue of this investigation that attackers managed to break into an internal Vice email account. The company said that the effort to figure out uh, what personal information was involved uh, and basically find up-to-date addresses for all victims lasted until January 25th of 2023. Now, since that January 26th filing, Vice Media said that social security numbers were involved in the breach, which affected a total of 1,724 people. In a second filing five days later on the 31st, the company said the breach also involved financial account numbers, credit and debit card numbers, as well as security codes, access codes, passwords, and PINs for accounts. So heads up to you. If you work for Vice Media, odds are they have your information or maybe you've got an account with them. And there you go. Moving on, let's talk about Cardiovascular Associates, or CVA. They started informing patients of a data security incident which may have affected their personal information. Now, CVA has multiple locations around Birmingham, Alabama, and they released a statement Friday to address the breach, which happened at the end of November of last year. They said they discovered the breach on December 5th of last year when an unauthorized activity was noticed within their infrastructure. They said they determined an unauthorized party gained access to a whole bunch of information between November 28th and December 5th. We are talking about demographic information such as identities of patients, full names, dates of birth, addresses, social security numbers, health insurance information such as insurers, payers, member ID, group numbers, all that kind of stuff, medical and treatment information such as medical record numbers, dates of service, providers and facility names, other visit procedures and diagnosis information, and possibly assessments, tests, and imaging as well. Also, billing and claims information, such as account and or claims status, billing and diagnostic codes and payer information, passport and driver's license numbers, credit card and debit card information, as well as financial account information. So basically, if you looked at CVA wrong, they got your info. So heads up to you, cardiovascular associates patients, you kind of screwed. So there you go. Hopefully, they'll get it cleaned up. Moving on. Let's head on over to Nigeria and talk about two banks there. These are some of the most prominent financial institutions in Nigeria. We're talking about GTB and Zenith Bank. They're under scrutiny after the Nigerian Data Protection Bureau opened an inquiry into possible data breaches. Allegations of improper disclosure of financial records to a third party and unauthorized access and processing of personal data prompted their data protection authority to initiate this inquiry. I don't have more information on that, but heads up to you. If you bank with GTB or Zenith or Zenith Bank 
in Nigeria. Moving on, let's talk about People Connect. They're the owners of Truthfinder and Instant Checkmate Background Services. They confirm they suffered a data breach after attackers leaked a 2019 backup database containing the information on millions of their customers. Now, Truthfinder and Instant Checkmate are subscription-based services allowing customers to perform background checks on other people. When conducting background checks, the sites will use publicly scraped data, federal, state, and court records, criminal records, social media, and other sources. On January 21st, a member of the breached hacking and uh, breached data form leaked data for allegedly 20.22 million Truthfinder and Instant Checkmate customers who use those services up to April 16th of 2019. They exposed the exposed, excuse me, Truthfinder and Instant Checkmate customer information includes email addresses, hash passwords, first and last names, and phone numbers. So heads up to you if you've used Truthfinder or Instant Checkmate for all of your background check needs. Moving on, let's talk about Canadian running gear retailer Running Room because they experienced a data breach in which the attackers might have accessed personal customer data over the last several months. The company this past Friday sent an email to customers stating, quote, recently identified and addressed, end quote, a security incident evolving, quote, a subset of user data. Now, Running Room says between November 19th of last year through January 18th of this year, the attackers accessed and skimmed the customer email uh, customer emails, names, address, phone numbers, credit card information, and more. The breach impacted customers who made purchases on the company's Canadian website during that period, though it's unclear how many individuals that includes right now. So we'll see what's going on with that. But if you use Running Room for all your Canadian running needs, heads up to you. Moving on. Let's head on over to South Korea and talk about LG U Plus Corp. On January 10th, the nation's third largest wireless wireless carrier disclosed that the personal data of 180,000 customers, including names, birthdates, and phone numbers, had been breached. The company said on its website this past Friday that it found the personal data of about 110,000 more customers who had actually terminated their subscriptions was also compromised, and it had been storing the data in basically an e-commerce, uh, you know, uh, under the e-commerce protection law, uh, you know, to basically have that and maintain that. And that was also hit that extra database of 110,000 more. The leaked data does not include uh, uh, financial information as well. So if you use LG U plus for all your wireless needs in South Korea, heads up. Moving on, let's head on over to the UK and talk about British sports clothing retailer JD Sports. They reported a data breach that has affected more than 10 million customers. The retailer said on January 30th that the data breach occurred after a malicious party gained unauthorized access to their systems containing customer data relating to orders placed between November of 2018 through October of 2020. This includes orders from other JD Sports Group's company, including JD, Black's, Size with a question mark, Scots, Millets, and Millet Sport. Now, JD Sports told the London Stock Exchange that the uh, data was limited as the retailer, quote, does not believe passwords were accessed, end quote, and does not save payment information. Information accessed during the breach may include names, email addresses, last four digits of payment cards, delivery addresses, phone numbers, billing addresses, and order details. So if you use JD Sports in any of its iterations for all your sporting needs, Check in. Moving on, let's head on down to Florida and talk about the Tallahassee Memorial Healthcare. This is one of North Florida's largest medical centers. They reported that they suffered an IT security issue late this past Thursday night. The hospital did not specify if patient medical records or personal data were breached. TMH subsequently took all of its systems offline, rerouted patients and all of that, and they are currently working to resolve that. So heads up to you, Tallahassee Memorial Healthcare. I'm sure I'll have more information later on. Moving on. 
and this one's going to sting a bit for some of you, especially here in the United States, I need to talk about GoodRx. That's right. This is the popular drug discount app here in the United States. They didn't have a data breach, but they've been data breaching you as you've been using them. Now, here's what's going on. This past Wednesday, the FTC or Federal Trade Commission accused the app developer GoodRx Holdings of sharing sensitive personal data on millions of its users, prescription medications and illnesses with companies like Facebook and Google without your authorization. That's right. You're going to GoodRx to get a uh, discount on whatever medication you need for whatever illness you need, and they were letting Facebook and Google know. Now, the company's information sharing practices, according to the agency, violated a federal rule requiring health apps and fitness trackers that collect personal health details to notify consumers of breaches. That is correct. That is under the uh, basically the HIPAA law here in the United States. While GoodRx did agree to settle the case, they disagreed with the agency's allocations and basically admitted no wrongdoing. But then when you're thinking about it, if you're using this app for free, getting this, if it's free to you, you're the product. Hard lesson to learn, but that's what it is. So expect that your illness, whatever it is, that you kept off Facebook, Facebook now knows, as does Google. Moving on, let's talk about North Korean hackers because a new cyber espionage uh, dubbed No Pineapple has been attributed to North Korean Lazarus Hacking Group, the Lazarus Hacking Group. I've talked about them here before, and that's allowed threat actors to basically steal 100 gigabytes of data from victims without actually causing destruction. This was a basically an espionage campaign, not a ransomware campaign. Now, the campaign lasted between August and November of last year, targeting organizations in medical research, healthcare, chemical engineering, energy, defense, and a leading research university. That's why I'm not listing out all of these things. Those are not being public, but they're stealing info from all of those. The operation was discovered by the Finnish cybersecurity firm with Secure, whose analysts were called to investigate a potential ransomware incident on one of their customers. However, thanks to an operational mistake by Lazarus, they were able to link basically the campaign to the North Korean APT or Advanced Persistent Threat. So North Korea once again on the rise, and that's a huge issue. And finally for you, we have two different finalies, and man, ooh. Okay, so the first one that we're going to be talking about is Meta, a.k.a. Facebook, or rather the owner of Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp, and all the other things that they own, but Meta, and this one really isn't news, but here we are. Now, according to Bloomberg, they obtained legal documents from a Meta lawsuit against a former contractor, Bright Data, indicating that Facebook's owner, Meta, was paying Bright Data to scrape other websites on their behalf. That's right. They're not just taking your data. They're paying others to scrape more data from other websites. Now, Meta spokesperson Andy Stone confirmed the relationship in a discussion with Bloomberg, but said his company used Bright Data to build brand profiles and not spot quote-unquote harmful sites and catch phishing campaigns, but not to actually target competitors. Now, Stone also added, that scraping could serve, quote, legitimate integrity and commercial purposes, end quote, so long as it was done legally and honored site's terms of services. Meta terminated its arrangement with Bright Data after the contractor allegedly violated company terms when gathering and selling data from both Facebook and Instagram. Now, neither Bright Data nor Meta is saying what sites they scraped. Br uh, Bright Data is countersuing Meta in a bid to keep scraping Facebook and Instagram, so that's awesome, arguing that it only collects publicly available information and respects both European Union and U.S. regulations. And so this has been absolutely 
absolutely nuts. They've, everybody's been scraping this. I've done multiple videos, multiple podcasts, talked about it on my radio show, and on and on. Meta is one of the worst data miners out there, uh, you know, when it comes to your personal information. You, not just you typing, you know, in Facebook, oh my God, here are all my problems laid bare for my friends, uh, you know, that they are now gathering, collecting, and using against you for advertising and other purposes, but they are scraping everybody, everybody's scraping them. It's a hot mess to the point where Facebook's own engineer said, we, the data sets are so large and so huge, we have no idea how many people have access to it, who's copying it, or what. It's a hot mess. This just really confirms it. Now we're seeing legal battles over this, and so there you go. But Meta paying a third party to scrape even more things against it, denying that it was against you or their competitors. Honestly, in my opinion, I really don't believe anything they say at this point. And again, you can go look at my entire history to see why. And finally, finally, we unfortunately need to talk about Microsoft. And this one really underscores a new level of sophistication that we're really going to start seeing. Although, honestly, this, this type of attack isn't the first one. And I'll get to that in a bit. But here's what's going on right now. Because this one, quite frankly, should be terrifying in its level of sophistication for anybody really paying attention. And here's what happened. Late last year, a group of threat actors managed to obtain a verified publisher status through the Microsoft Cloud Partner Program, or MCPP. Now, this allowed them to surpass levels of brand impersonation ordinarily seen in phishing campaigns as they distributed malicious applications bolstered by the verified blue badge only given to trusted vendors and service providers within Microsoft's ecosystem. In other words, the criminals got verified and they did criminal things, leveraging the Microsoft verification to be trusted by everybody else. Now, the MCCP is Microsoft's channel partner program. It's inhabited by 400,000 plus companies that sell and support its enterprise products and services and also build their own solutions and softwares around them. Members include managed service providers like MSPs, independent software vendors, business app developers, and on and on. Researchers from Proofpoint, uh, best known for their spam filtering, first discovered this activity on December 6th of last year. A report published on January 31st outlined how threat actors used their fake status as verified app publishers within the MCPP program to infiltrate UK and Ireland-based organizations' cloud environments. The fake solution partners targeted employees in finance and marketing, as well as managers and executives via malicious applications. Users who basically fell for the badge potentially exposed themselves to account takeover, data exfiltration, business email compromise scams, and their organizations were also basically opened up to brand impersonation as well. Overall, the campaign, quote, used unprecedented sophistication to bypass Microsoft's security mechanisms, according to the researchers talking to Dark Reading, the publication that I am cribbing this heavily from quote this was an extremely well thought out operation end quote now let's talk about how the hackers actually faked out microsoft and got away with this now to become a verified publisher if you didn't know Microsoft Cloud uh, Partners, or MCPs, must meet eight criteria. These criteria are largely technical, and as Microsoft outlined in its documentation, passing the bar, quote, doesn't imply or indicate quality criteria you might be looking for in an app, end quote. But the threat actors abusing the system to distribute malicious apps... Obviously, that's not supposed to happen. And so the trick in this case was that before phishing end users, the attackers actually tricked Microsoft themselves. So here's what they did. They registered as publishers under displayed names that mimicked legitimate companies. Meanwhile, their associated verified publisher names were hidden 
and slightly different. The example given by the researchers is that the publisher masquerading as Acme LLC might have had a verified publisher name of Acme Holdings LLC. And so if I might look like, I don't know, Adobe, but I'm actually Adobe Holdings, I'm actually not Adobe. And that's what we're talking about here. Now, evidently, this was enough to basically get through and bypass the system's verification process. In fact, the researchers noted, quote, in two cases, the verification was granted one day after the creation of the malicious app application. Now, here's how the hackers basically faked out and duped enterprise users. Now, having obtained their verified status, the threat actors began spreading malicious OAuth apps and increasingly, basically OAuth for the record, increasingly popular vehicle for cyber attackers in recent years. They rigged these apps to request broad access to victims' accounts. Quote, the actor used fraudulent partner accounts to add verified publisher to OAuth app registrations. They created an Azure AD. That's according to the advisory on January 21st. I continue. The applications created by these fraudulent actors were then used in consent phishing campaigns, which tricked users into granting permissions to the fraudulent apps, end quote. Now, beyond the verified publisher stamp of approval, the attackers also gave vague and innocuous names to their apps, uh, basically for requesting permissions. Two of them were simply called single sign-on, which is a very common term in cybersecurity or IT if you're in that thing. And the other one was meeting. Okay, there you go. Great. It's a meeting app. Done. It's verified for Microsoft. Now, Though publishers, uh, under the guise of other impersonated organizations, these attackers chose a household name to display to users at the requested permission stage. So think about it this way. I mean, this is really evil genius. And this level of sophistication is honestly what we're going to have to start really looking out for. Now, I mentioned before, this is not the first time we've seen this. And one of the more rudimentary examples of this type of attack that I'm thinking of just off the top of my head when I was writing my notes would be when the threat actors were able to convince YouTube that they were legitimately trying to advertise on the YouTube platform. They got through the verification process of YouTube and then started spinning up advertising that you, I, and everybody else could have seen that led viewers to things like phishing sites. And now that is not nearly as sophisticated as jumping through hoops and registering things as a Microsoft, you know, branded verified corporation. But this is what we're talking about. And to me at this level, honestly, and nobody's saying it right now, but this smells like an intelligence operation a la SolarWinds. Now, if you remember, Russian intelligence was able to get into SolarWinds, which apparently was very easy because their public-facing password was SolarWinds123, all lowercase. I kid you not. Go look at my previous work on that or just read about it. But this, I think, is an intelligence operation. That is my opinion. And think about it. What better way to get into the corporations that cater to the large governments, and those are usually large corporations, than to leverage the trust of a Microsoft to actually get your malicious code into the enterprise corporations. I mean, I could be wrong here. This could be just incredibly sophisticated. But as basically the fallout from this research happens, as we start looking at IOCs or indicators of compromise, I'm willing to bet that at some point, somebody's going to point a figure that is researching at this and says, you know what, this looks like a foreign government intelligence APT or advanced persistent threat. Mark my words, I'm willing to put money on it. There you go. So those were your breaches of the week. It was a crazy long week. I'm glad to be back in the States. I had such a fun time, uh, you know, in Amsterdam on, on, my, uh, on my trip and all of that and just meeting all the uh, people I was talking to and all that. But I'm glad to be home. I'm glad to be doing breaches of the week. And here we are. Thanks for staying tuned. And please like, share, follow me here on Facebook and Twitter at Nick AESP. And please subscribe to me at YouTube as well. And as always, stay safe, stay online. Please attempt to stay private and triple check your Microsoft app registrations. Thanks, everybody.